Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So uh, today we're gonna have a guest and a guest from Europe actually, just like myself. So um, so really, really cool story. Also uh, a foreign entrepreneur that came here to the US. And I think that he has a very, very interesting story around a really uh, incredible uh, market, you know, that is, that is growing like crazy. So I guess, uh, Without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jonathan Cherky. So welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, Alejandro. Uh, very nice to be with you today. So you were born in the south of France, so not a, not a bad place to be, especially in summer. So how was life growing up there? Yeah, um, with my charming French accent, I can tell that I really enjoy uh, Marseille, south of France. <laughs> right. Fantastic summer, great people, and... Um, I was born uh, there in uh, 1986. I'm 33 years old today. And I moved from uh, Marseille to uh, Paris uh, to, uh, to do my business school. In uh, 2012, I decided to launch uh, this company. And you know what? It's a company I should not develop. So you thought you, you should not develop this business? Yeah, I should not because I should, uh, I should run the family business. My grandfather created 70 years ago an import-export beans company. Beans is like rice or lentils. Okay. My father is working with them. My brother is working with them. So I should work with my family. So they, you were basically growing up and being told the ins and outs of the business, and then you decided not to do it. I don't know if I am a black sheep, um, but I can tell <laughs> that... Uh, uh, I really enjoy my uh, my family. Maybe one day I will uh, work with them. But uh, at this time, I was passionate about maths and statistics. Okay. And when I was at business school, I began with a student project. That is today a live project. Content Square is the only one company I have the pleasure to work with. Got it. So this is obviously the the one and only experience that you have, at least for now, like really incredible experience. But I guess without, you know, we, before we go into it and, and really do a deep dive into the story and the, and the journey of, of building um, Content Square, you know, let, let's, let's give us the, um, the opportunity to get to know you a little bit. So, so you actually were born in this, in this family, you know, everyone really fully dedicated to the business. 
So what did what did you learn about business uh, growing up? You know, in, in in such a successfully in such a successful you know environment uh, around you know business and, and family. You know, um, when you, um, when, you are, you, when you are educated in, a, in this kind of family, you understand that the importance of values and importance of long term. Meaning that uh, if you would like to make something strong, something unique, you need to have good values in terms of uh, team spirit, relationship with the people, and to think that uh, you are not creating a business for five or 10 years, but for a long term. In my family, this business has been here for more than 70 years. You understand the notion of ambitious, not here yeah. to make something good, but something that will uh, uh, have an, impage, an impact and a legacy with a lot of humility. And it's what I really learned from my, uh, from my family uh, what I was uh, using to create the basic, the foundation of my uh, first and unique company, Content Square. Got it. So then, let's say, let's go back to to where you were in in business school. So obviously, in in business school, that is what gave you the push to to really go at it. So, so can you tell us about you know perhaps what what did business school? open up what did it, it open up your eyes obviously around you know the possibility of being able to do it yourself and being able to do it on, on your own so how how did this happen you know the business the business school was very useful because um they have a structure with incubator in the school so they they help entrepreneurs and startups to launch this project and it helps to believe in your uh, in your story when I was young, I was educated to be the first one of what I am doing. But when you launch a startup, uh, you don't know what will be the impact of what you are doing. So it helps uh, me to uh, gain uh, trust, to structure the project, and to put a lot of energy uh, in it. It helps me also to hire some uh, first people in the company that are here today in a Content Square uh, team. So then, so then, in that case, um, what was the what was the process of incubating the idea? Because obviously, you were passionate about math, about the statistics, but uh, you know there was a process. A process you were talking about the incubator as well. So walk us through that process of the moment that you know you thought that th there could be something interesting around this, but then you know the moment where you know that journey from from thinking it was a cool idea to hey, we I got I have to do this. I have to really build this and build this company. You know, I think more than, more than an idea, so the, I remember the first question, it was more about the, the market and the timing. If we think about the market for a long time, uh, the best way to improve online sales was acquisition. Make more people come to the website. And at this time, you have Google with a search, Criteo with a display in the banner, Salesforce with CRM. The question of... Uh, user experience and conversion was re not really utopic. But what happens is that um, the cost of acquisition was growing. It costs a lot even today to buy a word on Google. The market is going more and more on mobile. 70% of the traffic is on mobile, but the conversion rating is low. And you have a, a company named Amazon that is representing 
around 50% of online sales in the US. So I have the sensation that this topic will be more and more an important topic, particularly because at this time, my first ID was not content square. My first ID was to be able to measure the efficiency of advertising. We, we were viewing banners everywhere, but no one was clicking on it. So my first project was to develop a software to measure the efficiency of banners. And I quickly understand that even if the banners is good, if the website is poor, people will leave. So I would like to understand what happened between the display and the checkout. That's why I decided to create this user experience analytics technology. And when, when I decided to analyze this market, I saw that there are companies like Google or Adobe who were good to understand step-by-step step where you are losing people, but not to easily understand why does a user leave a website. It's like a store. You know who is entering, who is leaving, but you don't really understand what happened in the store, what is the journey of the people, what is important for them. That's why at this time I decided to launch this market. This market was a very small market, but I had the sensation that it will become a blockbuster market, a huge market for the future. And it helps me to, uh, to understand the uh, that and to understand that if you would like to be in a, a leader in the future market, you need to, to be strong when the wave of your market will be here. And I am feeling pretty lucky because today our market is estimated around uh, $8 billion, and it's a market that is growing a lot, around 20 to 25% a year. Very cool, very cool. So how was the conversation like with your family? Uh, you know, my family... Uh, they always want what is the best for you. They always want your happiness. And when they yeah. feel that uh, it's a good way for you to, to, uh, to grow, they encourage you. They were uh, here uh, with me to support me, to help me, to guide me because I didn't have experience at this time. I've never yeah. worked anywhere except Content Square. Today, I have the pleasure uh, to work with more than uh, 600 people in the company. So it helps me really to, uh, uh, to advise me, to, uh, to try to do the thing in the good way, with a good value, with a good culture. And I think at the end, if you would like to make something unique, that is an important basic you need to have as a foundation of your, uh, of your company. Oh, 100%. I think that having that level of support, especially you know, for the entrepreneurial journey, you know, that support from, from family, I think that it's a... Uh, is critical because there's a lot of of ups and downs, no? Which uh, which we can you know talk about in in a little bit. So so yeah, obviously even if, you if, even if sometimes it could be uh, disturbing because it's a totally different market, totally different area, not digital. But I would say it helps to have a new perspective and different perspective. Got it. Because at the end of the day, it's still building a business. Yeah. Definitely. And it's still experiences and it's still relationships and it's still delivering on your promise to customers. And that you have it in every business. You are right. Yeah. So so in this case, I mean you were now in, in Paris, right? And and you just came out of, of school and you had this idea, you were executing. And rather than going the 
the route of, of just going straight at raising money, you did one thing that, that I'm seeing more and more entrepreneurs doing, which is to wait a little bit, really validate the concept, uh, the market, the idea, everything, build it up. And you actually bootstrap this from one employee to 100 employees before you took you know, money from outside investors. So I'm sure that this experience was really tough for you because when you're bootstrapping, it's like you make one step in the wrong direction and everything could fall apart. Yes, and I think it was a, a very good uh, learning path. You know, if you think about the evolution uh, of the step of the company, step one is to be able to uh, um, have a good product market fit and to grow fast. And I think I am, I am lucky because I, I had the opportunity to uh, have some fantastic people around me who are here today to keep on developing uh, the company and who have the ability to be uh, important player at the beginning of the company, but also at the stage we are. And that is pretty rare. Uh, most of the time, you, you will see that people can do the job today, maybe not tomorrow. And I, and I had this first uh, uh, chance to have some fantastic people to launch the company. From 2012, when we began until 2016, um, we bootstrap. From uh, one people to 100 people, as you said, from uh, one customer to uh, 800 customers. And the customers help us to finance the growth of the company. Um, we develop uh, the product at this time. And when we consider that we have a good team, when we consider that the product was ready to scale globally, when we consider that we have a, a strong loyalty and relationship with this uh, customer, when we have already opened one uh, foreign market. At this time, it was UK. We launched it uh, early 2016. And when we, we, we check all of that, we consider that it was the good time to accelerate the growth of the company. That's why we uh, have done our first uh, fundraising of, uh, with the Series A um, with $20 million coming from uh, Island Europe and that's pretty. That's that's remarkable, by the way, because doing a twenty million Series A in Europe is, a, I mean, it's probably one of the biggest Series A's. Uh, you know, it's not like what you see here in the U.S., where you know people are raising more and more money, but twenty million in in Europe is significant. So, so at what point did you tell yourself? Um, I mean, obviously, you had this this business. You were validating everything. Now you were in a position where. You're not, you know, building the machine, but more than thinking about speeding up the machine. At what point do you tell yourself it's now the time to raise money? Because we, uh, we, we see that there is a huge opportunity to accelerate. Um, we see that the customer, uh, the first customer we, uh, we have were super happy. And we really believe in the product. We, the product was working very well. So the question for us, was the question of fast execution of uh, sales and growth. Um, at this time, we, we were uh, viewing the market growing more and more. We, you know, we'd say five years ago, the question of user experience was not really a topic. And when you, you began to see your customer asking more and more uh, around this topic, focusing more and more on conversion, on content, on merchandising, when you see them open new positions, on job that was that were not existing at this time, 
But now, no, no, it's common, but at this time it was not. You, you have the sensation that you have to accelerate if you have good ambition. And I have to say that my ambition, and it's come from my education, was always to make something unique, to go beyond myself. My project was not to make a good company, but to create the worldwide leader of this category. And when you feel that you can uh, check all these points to grow, uh, I think it was time to inject some more uh, uh, money, but also to find the good partner. And again, okay. I think I am a lucky, lucky person because at this time, um, finding uh, people like uh, uh, Island Europe have the same sense of the importance of the people first uh, and have a strong experience in SaaS to help us to go. That's why. And how do you, yeah, go ahead. How do you do this? Because, you know, I think that you are absolutely right. It's, it's not about the money. It's about who is giving you the money. Uh, and obviously, this was your first time around, your first rodeo. So, you know, it's still a steep learning curve. Many things that that you need to learn, you know, either by having the right advisors or the hard way of making the mistake yourself. So how did you go about finding the right partner? Because because here, you know, obviously you have Highland, you know, fantastic um, a partner. But how did you go about uh, about understanding first, you know, what the right partner looked like and then how to find them? I think, first of all, uh, to do it, uh, you have to meet some of them. And uh, pretty quickly, you will understand that uh, which one you would like to work with. I would say this, this is more important today than, uh, than five years ago, because even five years ago, it will be maybe more difficult to find uh, cash. There is more and more cash today in the market. So the question of uh, finding the good partner for the future of the company is more and more important. And uh, if you have the opportunity to choose, it's good. Sometimes you could be in a situation that you cannot really choose. You're uh, the one you will, you will work with. And uh, when you meet them, when you begin to know them, when you work with them, you have some interaction. And pretty quickly, you will understand this is the kind of person I would like to work with because they will be here for the long term. They have a good experience. They have a good knowledge. They can understand where you are at this stage, where you should be in the next stage of the company, and can, can they be the good partner to help to grow the company? So you have two options. You can go with a banker. You can go by yourself. Um, from my point of view, there is no secret sauce here. It's more a question of uh, uh, when you, you have the sensation that it's a go, good partner, go on it. Fight for them. Got it. Because also a wedding, huh? So then, so then in this case, obviously you got Highland as the, as the right partner, and then you make yeah. the decision to move to New York City. Why did you do that? Uh, because my ambition was to create the worldwide leader of this category, and uh, most of our uh, customers are e-commerce. I would say today is 70% of our business, and the, the biggest market in terms of e-commerce uh, is the U.S., um, that's why we decided, uh, and I decided to move uh, directly uh, myself to the US. I would like to feel this market, understand this market. So it was uh, early 2017. Got it. And uh, I'm sure that there is, a, in this case, a lot of people that are listening that perhaps are also in, in Europe or in other parts of the world that they know that eventually they're going to have to come to the US. Because the truth of the matter is, is that even in Europe, 
the largest fund, I mean, for example, I'll give you an example. In Spain, you know, one of the largest funds is probably like 150 million. So, I mean, that's, that's peanuts if you want to continue to grow the venture because when you mm-hmm. go into the growth stage uh, financing milestones, then you're, they're not going to have ammunition to be able to invest in you. So the problem that I see is that many of these companies end up, you know, like in a, in a position where they need to come to the U.S. to seek money. So, so I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are either at that point or that may get to that point or that are thinking about that potential uh, scenario happening and coming here to the U.S. So what, what, what was the experience like of, of coming and moving to the U.S.? What, what were some of the challenges? You, you are right on what you explained. And when you, you pick up a partner, it's important to see if the partner can follow the next step and to anticipate always the next step. It was the case with uh, Island Europe who participate to all the rounds we have uh, after. Um, when you decide to move um, to the US, it's not just a question of cost because definitely it costs a lot. You have to invest a lot of money to develop these markets because it's a very noisy market. You have to make the difference. Uh, uh, I would say for the same job, the, the, the investment could be two, two, three times higher than what you could uh, do in, uh, in Europe. So the question is also a question um, about, uh, are, you ready, are you ready to go there? Meaning, does your uh, machine is working well in Europe, working well enough for you to go to the US? And when I move, I have the sensation that not only we have some good processes, but particularly we have the good people in place to uh, keep on developing uh, Europe. So when I moved here, I had the option to go to uh, West Coast or East Coast. The reason why we, uh, we pick up uh, New York is because first New York is six hour difference with uh, Paris. So easier to manage than nine hours between uh, Paris to San Francisco, point one. And point two, we were analyzing the market to understand where are our targets. And we identify at this time that we have more targets in, uh, in uh, New York than uh, San Francisco, where you have more uh, uh, B2B software and where we were looking for more uh, uh, e-commerce, fashion, retail, even if uh, West Coast is, uh, is also an important area. We have an office today also in uh, San Francisco. So I move here with my uh, charming French accent, <laughs> uh, ready to, um, to, uh, to launch and grow the, the business in the US. Right. And f- when, you, when you move to New York, you, you discover that it's a place where you have a lot of uh, foreign people, uh, different cultures all over the world. But the first thing I discover is that people have, uh, are very open-minded. Meaning if they think they can, you can bring value, they open you the door. They are ready to test your technology. And uh, uh, I, I was not expected uh, to, to see that, but I, I have the sensation um, that this country also is built to uh, uh, find the good opportunity. So it helps to grow the, the business when we uh, arrive. It always takes time, I would say, to find our first customers. It took us like almost six months. But we, uh, we had the pleasure to work with, uh, uh, with, uh, with big names to uh, launch the business. So the company was growing. I decided also to uh, invest a lot quickly. Uh, I, I didn't want to be in a situation where I have the sensation that I was not succeeding because I, uh, I was under-invested. That's why on year one, we have hired something like uh, 
40 people in the US. Got it. So then, so then just as a follow-up to that, you know, and for a lot of people that may be thinking about it, about it, how do you balance growth versus profit? But at this time, the, the topic was not uh, profitability. At this time, my, uh, my goal was to prove that uh, the US will be a good market for us. Uh, having new logo, uh, have a good uh, marketing, have a good visibility in the market, make a footprint, even if it was uh, small because it takes time. Um, but that, that's why I decided to invest. Invest in people. I was one of the uh, only French people I came with some people from France, maybe not, not enough at the beginning because there is also a, a culture gap you could have between US and Europe. Right. And uh, quickly with this team, we, uh, we grow the business. And in this market, in the US, I think it's important at this stage of your company to show that you can grow fast. The question of profitability will come later in, um, in the, the evolution of the company. So then at one point, you also you know, decided that it was time to raise money and to, to find partners in the U.S. So, so walk yeah. us through that, through that uh, you know, process. So less than a year after uh, I was in the U.S., my, uh, uh, my uh, partner, my VC at Island Europe, introduced us to three uh, venture capital firms. And I met three of them. And it took like uh, one month and a half to close a series B of $42 million. So it went uh, pretty fast. Uh, as I said, the relationship between people is also important. And Canaan, uh, uh, a US VC, led this, uh, this round. Same, they have a lot of experience in terms of SaaS, in terms of globalization. And they are today a very strong partner uh, in the company to help us to, uh, to be the worldwide leader of our category. And in this case, did you see like a big difference between, because typically when you go out and, and when you're doing fundraising, the questions that you're going to be receiving and the level of expectations or approach is going to be, you know, there's going to be a pattern. You know, there's a point where all the questions begun, you know, you know become the same, you know, from meeting to meeting. So in this case, what kind of difference did you did you notice from, you know, doing fundraising, let's say in Europe and, and the type of concerns or questions that they were asking you? Uh, you know, if you had to compare with, with the expectations and concerns and questions that maybe you were receiving when doing fundraising in the U.S.? I would say in, in the U.S., they have a, a lot of experience in a software company, uh, SaaS at this stage, so they quickly understand if the company could perform here in terms of uh, uh, ratio, KPI, the structure. So I think they used to do that well. I, I also appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, when you are a, a European and you come here, even if you build a, a U.S. team, um, more and more the notion of Europe and U.S., um, it's something that is disappearing because we are in a global world. You cannot be just American. You cannot be just uh, uh, French, English, or uh, German. You need to think globally in everything you are doing. Yeah. And, he, and I think that uh, at this stage, same, finding the good partner who can help you to grow in the U.S., to expand in the U.S. For example, they were 
in New York, but also in San Francisco, in the Valley, uh, was uh, it was something super useful for me. They help, help you to recruit the good people. Uh, they help you to understand more the culture of the 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 market. And I am very happy to have them today uh, on board to keep on growing the company. Uh, I would I would say that they go faster also than in Europe because they used to analyze more and more companies in this uh, area. So I appreciate that the fact that the process went uh, went fast. You know, you don't at this time you you, you are. Uh, driving your company, but it takes, it takes a lot of energy uh, to, to raise money. So if you cannot defocus too much, it's very uh, helpful. And this kind of person are, are very supportive and they have the same ambition to create a, a, a huge and unique company. Got it. And how, how much capital have you guys raised to date, Jonathan? Um, Series B was $42 million. But in total so, for the for the business, how much have you guys raised? So at end of Series B, we have raised something like $62 million. One year after, in January 2019, we have done a Series C of uh, $60 million. And in addition to, uh, I, to Island and Canaan at the, the Series B, we had the pleasure also to have as an investor Eurazeo and H14. Got it. So then that would uh, the, the total amount would be then? So uh, at end of 2017, at Series B, it was a 62 million. So 20 from Series A and 42 from Series B. Got it. Got it. Wonderful. Really cool. And I guess for, you know, obviously when you are at a, at a super early stage, you know, starting out, in most of the instances, you know, and there's probably many people that are at that point, it's like it's driven because you're you need the money. You're you're running out of money. You're gonna have you're thinking about like having to give up and, and go back to your to corporate or something. I guess like when you go into the hyper growth phases, when you start hitting like series B and, and, and series C, for example, like what are the triggers that are like really, let's say, pushing at a at a board level to to decide that that more money is needed to to unlock certain things. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Um, and it was exactly what happened between Series B and Series C. Um, so first you analyze your the speed of your growth. Can you really keep on growing by uh, 70 to 150% year on year? At Content Square, we were growing uh, we are growing around 100% year on year. So that is, uh, uh, I think, uh, um, the first point. The second point is about the retention and the churn. The goal is not just to grow. The goal is also to be sure that your customers are happy, they see value. Um, so you can have good retention, you can have good upsell on your existing customer. And after, to see if you are efficient in the way to grow. Because for sure, when you inject money, you... You should be able to buy market share by doing that. But can you do that also by being productive enough? Even if the question of profitability at this stage was not the, the number one uh, criteria and was not the goal because we are in a market where we are investing to take more and more market share. So that's kind of a, a KPIs, analysis, you are doing and you are checking that is working in the different region. 
not just in the US or not just in France. At this time, we have uh, uh, France, UK, Germany, and US. And in and in this case, um, and and I think that that's super interesting. But I guess in this case, how like how do you go about like launching in a new market? Because obviously it's a it's you know different type of customer. It's a probably you know like different type of pricing. So so at what point do you really understand that it makes sense to it, it makes sense to replicate a model into a completely different and untapped market that maybe you're not as familiar with? So first, it's a question of people. You have to find the good leader. And uh, at the end, I am a big believer about the relationship between the people. It's not just an understanding of the people, but be sure of the market, but be sure you have the good leaders and the good people to grow the market. Step one is to identify uh, the good person. Step two is to build the team. And uh, step three is to be sure that you have the good process, you have an operational excellence to replicate or to adapt, because you know the markets are different in each, uh, in each region. In terms of uh, sales, marketing, um, etc. Got it, got it. And an, an important point also, I think so, is to be sure that you, you have the basic to have a strong collaboration across geography, so you can use the best practice and customer across. And when you have a different offices as well, you also run into the into the potential issue now of, uh, of having different cultures on every office. So how do you go about that? Definitely. And that's why I think it's, it's important to over-invest in communication, uh, physically and virtually. So each, uh, each office can communicate. You need to spend time in each office. And it's important also to be able to develop one team. So for example, at Content Square, we decided to do Every year, in a January, a worldwide kickoff where we take everyone from uh, everywhere all over the world to be all together during uh, one week uh, to speak about what, were, what was the result of last year and uh, what are the goals and the challenge we will have this year. It's also open forum uh, all ends. We try to create a lot of all ends with live questions, with more and more transparency. Twice a year, we, organize, we are organizing like strategy meeting where we could have some transversal initiative. And that is super important if you would like to build one team. And it's not easy. It's a job of every day to be sure that we can align everyone on the same vision, on the same strategy, on the same process. Yeah. And, and how many people do you have now, Jonathan? So today we have around 600 people. And in how many offices? Six offices, Paris, Munich, London, New York, San Francisco, and Tel Aviv. Because we recently acquired uh, uh, a company named Clicktel, uh, who uh, has an office in Tel Aviv. And, and you've done a couple of acquisitions. You've done a couple yeah. of acquisitions, I understand. And, and, and one of the things that is the toughest part, I mean, and I speak with a, with a lot of entrepreneurs that, that think about acquisitions as well as a good venue to, um, to accelerate growth, uh, you know, or that there's other strategic benefits to it. But without a doubt, uh, integration is, is a beast. It's not easy. Uh, and I'd like to get, you know, your, your thoughts and, and learnings on what you've learned about integrations. So that, that is a very good point. 
and it's a huge topic uh, integration. Uh, you know, first of all, when we launched uh, the year in 2019, after a fundraising of $60 million led by Eurazeo with the existing investor we have, it went pretty fast. Uh, we didn't have particularly in mind to make uh, two acquisitions. And we have some good opportunity to uh, accelerate the growth of the company. So that's why we, um, we have done first the acquisition of a company named Clicktail. They, they, they are around 200 people, an Israeli company. They are in the same market than Content Square uh, with a strong focus on enterprise customers like Content Square, but with a lot of complementarity. 80% of their business was in, uh, in the US, uh, 20% in Europe. Uh, at this stage, Content Square was uh, almost the opposite, 20% in the US, 80% in Europe. So altogether, we are more 50% in the US, 50% in Europe. We have some uh, strong complementarity in terms of uh, geographies, in terms of verticals, in terms of uh, uh, brands. So for example, they are, they are very good in uh, software, in uh, travel, in finance, we were very good also in, in a retail, in luxury, in fashion. Uh, they have a lot of integration with a lot of software. So definitely we, we identify that there is a strong synergies between the two companies. And uh, uh, there is always a question around the culture to be sure that the culture match. It's not easy when you think about integration because the first question is a question of people. Oh, we are sure that the people can work all together, particularly when you are in, uh, in the same market. And it's something we are working on. First, I think it's important to uh, listen to people, to understand them, to uh, understand what are their, uh, their challenges, their aspirations, but also to be able to move forward to reduce the period of uncertainty. Because when you have acquisition or integration, there is always a lot of questions. What could be my job? What could be my responsibility? What I will do, etc., etc. So I think it's important to reduce this period, but also to take the time to know each people, to make it well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 at the end, um, when you have the same ambition uh, to be the worldwide leader of this category, we identify here that we have the same uh, uh, willingness to make it and a stronger. Uh, complementarity, that's why we see it as a, a good opportunity uh, uh, to combine our, uh, our strengths all together. For the second acquisition, it's a company named uh, Pricing Assistant, French company, uh, around like 20 people. Their company helps to uh, uh, analyze what is the change of the price of your competitor, meaning maybe someone is not buying due to your uh, customer journey or your content, but maybe because your competitor is offering a better price, a more product, better reviews. So they are able to understand what happened outside the website with good crawling capabilities, product matching capabilities. So we really love the technology and we really love the people of this company. And we see it as a good complementarity for our product to be able to analyze better the merchandising for our customers. And in this case, um, because there were uh, less people, 
the integration of people went uh, pretty fast and we are focusing on the integration also about the technology. Now, at the end, I think that if you focus on the integration of the people, of the product, of the process, there is something very important in this process of the integration is not to forget one thing, your customer. Because there is a risk you are focusing only on yourself. And you have to understand that your customer is a very strong value that you cannot uh, forget. So everything you are doing has to be uh, um, built in the favor of the, of the customer and not just in the interest of the company. So that's why we, we took also a lot of opportunity to meet the customer, uh, to make a lot of client roadshow, meeting them to really understand how do they see the value and where do they see the benefit in terms of uh, use case complementarities. And that makes sense. I think that uh, being customer driven and, and, and I think it's the way to go. You know, and you see that, you know, especially at an early stage where where people go out and they start, you know, building based on assumptions, you know, rather than building based on data. And I think that this is kind of like what you are alluding to as well. So um, I really, really agree with that with that approach, eh, Jonathan. So so one of the things that that you know definitely is is out there, you know, and that all founders, you know, we we experience and we get to really notice is that the entrepreneurship journey is is not easy and it's not as glamorous as as we read on the press, right? And and definitely, you know, there's moments that that you know are more bumpy than others and some of those moments are a little bit grayish or perhaps a little bit darker no so in your case uh, Jonathan what has been looking back probably the toughest moment for you in this journey I think that you are right being an entrepreneur is not easy, is not easy but I would say it's not uh, uh, maybe more difficult than, than another job um, particularly when uh, you find the pleasure to do your job you find a pleasure to learn. If I speak about myself, as I said, Content Square is the only one company I have the pleasure to work with. First fundraising, first acquisition, first global expansion. So it's a good learning path. If you really understand the power of learning, the power of discovering, it's easier than expected. For sure, sometimes when you finish your day, you can think, uh, what a difficult day. And you can feel alone, but you are not alone. You are not alone because you have a great team. You have some strong partners that are sharing your vision and your ambition. And you have also your family. And uh, myself, you know, when I care, after a difficult day, when I come back home, I have a pleasure to have a fantastic wife and uh, two great kids. Uh, will remind me how important your family are, and it's part also of the value I have in uh, in the company. But I can take, uh, I can tell that I, I find a lot of energy also on them. And quickly, the, the dark visions that you could have will disappear with smile. Even if when you have a younger child, it's not always a smile; it could be cries. Um, no sleep. <laughs> right, I hear you. I hear you. Cool. So, 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 one of the questions that I typically ask the the folks that that come on the show is, you know, knowing what you know now. I mean, you've been at this, you know, like incredible growth that you guys have experienced since you started back in, let's say, 2012. Uh, you know, all of these same uh, acquisitions as well. So, if you had the opportunity to have a chat with your younger self, with that younger Jonathan, that 
was still in business school and and perhaps thinking about launching a business, what would you tell that younger self and and especially what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to your younger self before launching a business and why? Uh, I love this question. I think if I if I would like to uh, do something different, I would say that uh, hire strong people with a lot of experience uh, sooner in a, in your path. I think the success is a mix of uh, potent people with a, a young uh, young people with a lot of energy uh, with a lot of potential, but also people who are very strong who can help you uh, to win time and. I think the important thing people have to check, and it's something I try to do anytime I, I'm, I'm hiring someone, is the people you are hiring today, can they do the job of today, but can they do the job of tomorrow and after tomorrow? And if you have the opportunity to find this kind of people, invest on them, whatever the cost is, because they will be part of this journey. They will contribute to the growth of the company more than expected. Thing I, I I will do more, uh, and I will tell to uh, the, the the young Jonathan. Uh, even if I keep on being young, <laughs> I hear you. And even if our younger selves, you know, probably would would have not listened. So, uh, which is you know the the case in in most of the of most of instances. No, so so one of the things here, you know, that comes to mind is you know when you were talking about growing the business as well. Uh, how have you been able to avoid having the business outgrow you as a leader? How have you transformed yourself? You know, if I think about that, I would say uh, I try to learn from everyone. First, because I decided to hire people who are better than myself in each department. So I think uh, you can learn a lot from your peers. So much. So I feel that I have more and more uh, skills now due to them. The second point is that if you have in mind that whatever you are doing, you should learn from what you are doing, whatever the impact of it, it's a good or bad decision. But if you can be honest with yourself, you grow. And you will learn from the next time. Um, and at the end, look, uh, everything we are doing, it's an acceleration of your uh, your uh, discovering and learning path. Uh, I don't know if I am doing well the integration, but I can tell that I am doing my best to be sure that we are uh, uh, we are going on the good way. Uh, I think it's important to be open-minded, not to consider because that you are the CEO, you are right. It's not. Even if your your intention are, are, are always good, because they have to be on the interest of the company. And that's, Any, that's very powerful. Very, very powerful because sometimes as the CEO or the founder CEO, you kind of like drink your own Kool-Aid, you don't listen, and you just get this stubbornness, and, and that's where most people fail. What can I say? If there is something I am missing, it's not the, the energy or the vision, but maybe the experience. So if I can learn from any days or anyone, I I will do it, and I think... Uh, having humility with a strong ambition is something also I learned from my uh, uh, from my education. Very cool. I remember the um, the founder of Shock Dog saying that he's all about ambition, which is combining humble with ambition. 
right? So, so I, I love it. So, so Jonathan, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? So you can send me an email, sherkichi.jonathan.jonathan.jonathan.com. Uh, at contentsquare.com. Point one. Point two, uh, we can have a coffee in uh, New York or in Paris or in San Francisco, Tel Aviv, on the area where we have offices where I am traveling. And uh, anything you can help me to learn or discover, I will be happy to, uh, to know more. Amazing. Where will, there is a way. Amazing, Jonathan. So watch out because probably with the people that may be reaching out, you may, you know, have too much caffeine for so many coffees from so many coffees. So, so really cool, really cool. So, Jonathan, thank you so so much for being on the Deal Maker Show today. It was a pleasure to speak with you, uh, Alejandro, and uh, see you soon. Take care. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value either from this episode or from the show itself. Share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to AlejandroCremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.